Welcome, everybody, to this uh, episode of Breaking Absolutes. Uh, I'm Peter Aurelian, your show host. Um, I'm really excited about this conversation today. I, and I usually am because I get to editorialize the people that, um, that, that I have on the show. And that's usually by me reaching out to them directly or, or networking through a friend. But I, my conversation today is with Devin Townsend. And um, 100% consonant with um, my, my purpose in wanting to do the show. When, when approached by Amazon to do it, I didn't want to just do a, a radio style show. Um, my, my idea was that I wanted to talk to artists who I, whose music I thought was pushing um, up against boundaries and stereotypes. Um, and to that end, I don't know that there could be a better guest than Devin. Uh, and I knew that before. Um, I invited him on. And then as I always do, I just started to consume as much as I could of the man's music and of everything he's talked about. And I'm sure there's, I still am woefully um, underprepared. Nevertheless, I've, I've read and watched so much and it, it only increased my estimation of the man as an artist, um, not just for the facility of the music, but the, the considered way that he approaches it. Um, and I don't mean to be too high-minded about it, but I think it's important enough that I want to talk to him about it. Um, let me set it up a little bit this way. Um, many of you will will know of him from a very brief, good, but certainly um, not to be used as a way to emblem, uh, make emblematic of his career, his time with Steve Vai. Um, it was a good launching point, and he's talked about you know some of the consequences of that and how he worked past that. Um, um, strapping Young Lad received a lot of early um, accolades and attention. Um, later, he's had, so, I mean, I think it's up to 25 albums or something like that now, but he's had a, a solo career that has had chart positions. And you've heard me say chart positions are the end all beat all, but they're one data point in, in um, acknowledgement of, of, from the industry. Um, I think as important is the, is the artists that want to work with Devin when asked to do so. Um, they, they love being involved in his creative process and the things that he puts together. Um, and there's, uh, I'll let you do for yourself. We'll include links, um, to go and read the many places where, um, the music has received, um, you know, glowing write-ups for, for album of the year and these kinds of things. Those are important, but maybe not as important, at least in my mind, as the conversations around, uh, him and some of the music. So with that as a preamble, let me bring Devin on. Devin, welcome. Hello. Thank you for uh, spending some time with me today. Um, uh, it really is an honor. I've been a fan for a long time. I, I have to say, though, I, I came into your musical life later and then went back. And that's even before this conversation. I, I saw you do uh, like a one man um, performance of Kingdom on EMG TV. And it was like revelatory. It's just this amazing, it's been described as a wall of sound, but it was just, it was you there performing it um, with equal parts like intensity and humor. And, and this is one of the things I think you're, that's, that your fans love about you. But I wanted to ask, like, is this, um, is this is, when, you're go, when you're creating the music and you're performing it, is it as important to you that, that you're, you're showing that sort of, um, I don't know, humorous side as, as it is when you're just laying into the mic with all the intensity we know you can? I don't think either is intentional, to be honest. I think it's, okay. it's just a, a byproduct of wherever you, you find yourself. And it's interesting, too, because as you well know, uh, we end up either being analyzed or analyzing ourselves retroactively and then uh, drawing an identity from that, which is oftentimes more humorous than any of the humor we try and interject into it because it's yeah. just, you know, a lot of times people will, will then judge you or, or assume that because you've done something at one point, then, then that's what your trip is. And this is what your identity is. And in the future, we can expect more of this. And when it deviates from that, then it's confusing, but it's, to me, it's a lot easier just to say that, I mean, it's not premeditated. I, I, I hope to follow it. My objectives are to follow it in the most accurate way, wherever it leads. And yeah. sometimes it's funny and sometimes it's sad and you know, it's, it's life, right? Yeah. No, I think, um, I mean, I think one of the takeaways I had and, and I will get into some specifics, but in spending so much time on your career is there's, a, and it's a tired 
sometimes a tired phrase, but there's an honesty in your music in um, the way you perform it, but also the way that it's written, sometimes in reaction to what's going on in the world. And this, um, um, I, I, I find this really refreshing because to your point, it's not intentional. It doesn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't know that the world was gonna come into a, the calamity that we've been in recently. Um, one of the records you wrote, you, you discussed was a little bit of response to 9-11 and these things kind of filter through your, seem to filter through your creative process. Is that a fair? Yeah. Statement? Yeah, very much. But again, um, uh, I find uh, describing it in, in, in that sense or in any sense, really, again, uh, attributes a, an intentionality to it that, that isn't there. I think it really is, as simple as I'm trying to, I don't know if actualize oneself is, is too pretentious of a way of, of saying it, but I'm trying to unfuck myself, right? That's been the, the goal since the beginning. And the process of doing that, uh, of course, will include things that are circling around your head as a result of political or social unrest or, or wars or, or climate or, or pandemic or any of these things. I mean, that's just the intention has been to try to strip away as much of my, um, my, uh, strip away as much of my um, trying to control the creative process and then try to follow it. So it, presents itself without my involvement as much. And the process of making records until the very end of a record has a lot to do with saying, okay, well, that's part of you, that's part of you, that's part of you, and just sort of getting it out of the way. And then by the end of it, although it is created by, you know, me, or in, if this creative process applies to others, to them, and at the end of it, you're able to say, okay, well, that's what I'm feeling about this particular period without my hangups coloring it that's the goal whether or not we get there every time is is debatable but that's yeah. the goal so by the end of it i'm able to usually say oh that's how i feel or oh this is what i uh experienced and i guess i attribute that to a type of uh, you know uh, emotional like emotionally stunted in some ways and perhaps that is what we're trying to solve in line with everything else is that inability to sort of immediately recognize where one is at right yeah yeah um that's well said you um and i I've, i want to dig into some of the albums and um it's it'll be just impossible to talk about all of your records but we'll do we'll do our best to to cover the terrain um i want to start before all of that though just to talk a little bit about your voice okay uh, we've, we've got a lot of musicians that follow the channel uh i'm a vocalist myself and and there's a u uniqueness to what you do um, and it's been described in different ways by different people, but you, um, in general, you have the ability to kind of go into a, a clean sound that's very rich, um, um, you know, almost very sort of theater-like, um, but of course, everybody also knows you for uh, the extreme vocals that um, go from growl to that really, that sometimes described as a fry, and it's... Um, you do it with such facility. It, 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 one of the questions I have, is this something that you just cultivated through practice or did you ever have any sort of formal training to, to build this into your voice? Um, well, thank you first off for that. That's very nice of you. I, um, I think it's easiest again. I, and if I describe things in roundabout ways, I apologize. It's just it's the way I can figure it out. I think um, I never wanted to be a singer ever. And um, when I was younger, I just wanted to play guitar. And then when we looked for singers and we went to hire singers as kids when we were teens, they were just the worst of us. <laughs> Almost without fail, they were like just terrible people. And uh, I remember thinking, okay, well, I'll just sing until I can find somebody. Uh. And uh, I had many jobs as a teen too you know i worked in dozens of restaurants or stainless steel fabrication or surfboards or industrial bakeries just endless jobs in which i had menial tasks to perform but usually on my own 
And so in that scenario, what I would typically do is sing. And although I had uh, a certain degree of facility when it came to uh, pitch, I don't have perfect pitch. I don't, you know, maybe I've got a degree of relative pitch, but I could sing in tune is, is the bottom line. So starting from that, I was able to sing along to the records that I was listening to while I was at these jobs. The one that was the most, uh, 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 I guess, memorable for me is, is I worked at this, I worked as a prep cook uh, at this restaurant. And so, you know, you cut up the chicken or you cut up the squid or whatever the, the thing is. And then you have to go to the uh, walk-in freezer to organize it. You know, you put the dates on it and you're in there for 30 to 40 minutes at a time, but it's this soundproof sealed room and I think I was so insecure about singing based on just not wanting to appear like some of these characters that I had run into as a kid. But I thought, well, this gives me an opportunity to practice it. So I would just go into the walk-in cooler and just scream at a wall of chicken. And then eventually, when I started making demos, I sang on it. And, and that was no more of a, a goal for me than... Uh, just a practical a practical problem solving exercise yeah and i got signed to relativity and then steve Vai heard that after i had been signed and contacted the a and r guy and said i would like him to sing and i'm thinking oh shit <laughs> you know i just want to play bass or play guitar or something and i certainly uh credit steve for for helping me in many ways when it comes to learning what I want to do and also what I don't want to do to a certain extent. But uh, he was very proactive in, in sort of teaching me certain things about singing. And just as things go, I then had experiences after that where I worked with somebody who had been in a very famous band and, and he said, well, if you're gonna sing, you're gonna wanna maintain your voice. And in order to do that, here's some exercises. And then, and then here we are 30 years later and I'm a singer, I guess, right? Yeah. Well, among other things, for sure, um, it's uh, there's there's some examples that I want to come to later. But that uh, part of what you do, I think, just naturally in your process that makes some of the music so engaging is that you're able to go from this place of um, I want to call it beauty. Uh, you have a tone in some of this softer, uh, clean, very much like a, a musician I, I like by the name of Roland Orzabal. He was the, the, the songwriter for Tears for Fears. Oh yeah, um, and and to move from there to places where you want to lean in on a on a lyric or an emotion to get into this other area of your voice, and it's just not a it's just not a set of tools all vocalists have. So um, though though it started screaming in, I love the screaming into a wall of chicken somehow. <laughs> <laughs> you got to get that on an album. Well, um, I'm sorry. No, no, that's I, I was that was I had completed my thought. Well, I uh, I was going to say. Uh, um, uh, force of will, I think, is is my strongest attribute as a singer, where I am driven by a vision, and that vision is usually an emotion, but an intangible one until the very end, as I had uh, mentioned a few moments ago, where in the very beginning, I'll have a, a flash of inspiration, and it's, it's, it's as simple as uh, it's it's an impression, it's an emotional impression. And I've always had what I found recently is called, which I didn't know, uh, synesthesia, where colors and numbers and shapes and sounds and everything are all kind of interconnected in some way. And so in the beginning, I'll have a flash of, of, of inspiration that may come from any number of things. It can be coming from something visual or, or an experience or, uh, or a societal moment or or my observation of any of these things whatever it is is arbitrary but it imprints a, a thing it's like a shape or a feeling and it becomes almost like an archaeological dig so by the end of it if i've done it correctly i'm able to say oh it's a duck or it's a boot or whatever again it doesn't matter what it was i don't know what it is until i've gone through the process of of trying to extrapolate it and with that comes this internal impression of what the vocals need to do and how the effect of the sound of the vocals need to make me react. And so I chase that with force of will more than 
any single uh, technical attribute. It's, it's, it needs to feel like this. And so I just go until it does that. Yeah. And there's not a lot of technique involved with that. And in fact, whenever I get asked about vocal technique from aspiring singers or, or people such as that, the caveat that I often add to my description is I highly suggest you don't do what I do because my technique is not fantastic. I just, I, I just scream until I taste blood and then it works for four days. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, break. what you're describing is, um, with most of the vocalists that I've I've had conversations with is not too different. It, some some have some sort of formal training, but many have just worked with their voice, used their voice to figure out how their voice works. Um, it just so happens that you occupy this space as a vocalist that that does these things, which is which is good because um, your music is is as diverse as your voice um, is able to be. Uh, so I just think it's a really good compliment. I don't mean that in, um, I mean, complimenting the, the music and, and what you're able to do with it vocally. Um, there's, and you had, I, I read that you had said this, um, going back to your former point that it, and you can keep me honest here, but you said something to the effect you feel like the music in some sense exists and, and you're, you're able to find it. Musicians find the music and, and I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it, it's it's a little it's it's a little uh, ephemeral, I think, when it's when it's like literally like that. But I think by find it, I'm, it's almost like you find it within your yourself in a way. And this is what I was just going to mention about the the vocalizations as well. Is that I used to hate singing, but I think it's because I didn't like myself. And as I get older, and as my objectives that we discussed in the beginning of this conversation are, are almost fundamentally about, well, how do you, how do you grow? How do you solve the problems that are causing you to suffer by your own hand and then move forward and learn and, and all these things. And with that comes a certain, well, a, a large degree of self-acceptance if you're going to get past a certain threshold, otherwise it's just flagellating forever. And then the music doesn't change and, and what have you. So, so my voice is a representation of that. It's the representation of me. It's, it's the growth, it's the ups, the downs, the, the insecurities, the, the quirks, the foibles, all these things make it what it is. And so as I've progressed on a personal level, I think the voice becomes a lot more um, clear in its intent. And I think a lot of that intent, for example, on this record that I'm working on now, is uh is uh it's it's about okay so when you hear yourself without the um uh, without the accoutrement that is your life when you just hear yourself completely naked how does it make you feel right and for years i i, I couldn't i didn't want to hear it because the the truth of who i was and am it's laid bare and it's like humiliating on some level but the more progress I think I make as a person, the more I'm able to say, Oh yeah, it's that guy. There's no problem. That's what he does. And sometimes life is heavy, you know, and sometimes life is sad and sometimes life's crazy. And, and so it seems to, seems to just go hand in hand with, with uh, diversity, not only in a vocal performance, but also in a musical sense. And that's also been uh, confusing to me when, when people have attributed the dynamicism of what I strive for as being an indicator of like mental illness because it's like, it's not the same thing every time. But for me, uh, it's almost the opposite. It's like doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, to me, doesn't seem particularly healthy. And it may be if your intention is not uh, as intrinsically sort of hardwired to, to music and the process being, you know, together. So in that sense, I can understand it. But for me, man, God, if I kept doing the same thing over and over, number one, I get bored, and uh, number two, it just it would just get progressively worse. And and number three, I wouldn't. It's too much work. Like God, to make records, it's huge amounts of work. So I got to at least care. You know? Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> well, it, I I think what you and I heard you say this it may have been one of your documentaries. I I consume so much of it that I can't pinpoint the where where you were ref, what you were referencing. But um, you effectively said, you know, no, none of us are any one thing, and it's one of the reasons that I I became that much more excited to have this conversation because um, I I don't think I don't think artists are. Um, they may make an, an active choice to do a certain style of music again and, and again Fair because enough. it's commercially successful or for whatever other reason. Yeah. Um, but, you know, most of the artists I end up talking to when you start digging into their musical expressions over body of, of work is not just the same record. And, and you, you're, you're like that to a, a tenth power. I mean, you, you, um, you allow yourself and it seems like for a long time have allowed yourself to do different kinds of records. Um, but I, I don't think anybody's any one thing. And so your, you know, your music is a reflection of that, um, um, you know, in a very, in a very profound way. Uh, and I'm going to come to some, I know I keep referencing some examples, but there's some music I want to talk about specific tracks sure. a little bit later in the hour. Um, I found this kind of funny. I don't know if you'll find it funny. Um, when I was looking, there was a, they used the moniker extreme metal in, in description of strapping young lad. I, I had to look up what, you know, what they mean by that. And it says that it's um, a subgenre characterized by sonic, verbal, and visual transgression. <laughs> I love the word transgression as applied to that yeah, genre. I, I think as a compliment too, that's, that's pretty good, man. And we yeah. have a transgressive style. Yes. Yes. You're a transgressor. Ah, yeah. <laughs> With an O. I think it's, um, I think it's, interesting as well like uh as i'm sure obviously you're well aware it's by doing this professionally there's a a huge degree of accountability in the form of once you're done you have to rationalize it so what may start as uh i am feeling a compulsion to do something that is completely left of center in terms of what i've been doing and in terms of what might be strategic on a on a business level and all these things. But in order to remain accurate to what my goals are, I have to follow that. And then I have to, once it's done, present it to people and then find ways to rationalize it that are, that are in the descriptions of which are in complete opposition to the process. So if someone says, why did you do that? As opposed to the answer, which is like, I don't know, I mean, I don't know. You have to be able to sort of go further and say, well, I guess the reason that I did that was because in reaction to the last thing that was very linear, we had gone through a period of time that was complicated and provided a sense of, of uh, chaos to the decision-making that made us feel like we have to be accountable for our own decisions in ways that are new. Therefore, the music manifested in this kind of atonal way as a reaction to that um that psychological uh you know shift and it's funny because that's i guess a way to describe it i guess but just the process of being sort of put to task on some level about why you did things is got this very strange um very strange side effect of, of you become super self-analytical about your process in a way that kind of splits you in a way. So you've got the side of you that is just like, I don't fucking know, I'm just doing it. And it's funny or it's stupid or it's heavy or whatever. And the other side is going, well, hang on a second. Why did you do that? You know, and it becomes this kind of existential uh, gumbo. And I think in a lot of ways, that's where the humor comes from. Because if you look at that from a, uh, like a really self-important way, like, oh, my process is of such significance that that's the reason why we have to analyze this, then, you know, good luck. But I think if you're able to watch yeah. that process and say, oh, dude, we're so full of shit. Like this whole thing is so full of shit. And it's, it's funny to me as a result, that part of the process, right? Yeah, it, it becomes very meta. You're, oh, yeah. You have a process for looking at your process. Dude. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because, because, I think in many ways there's an implication there that because you're doing that, you're buying into the, the, the uh, significance of it. Yeah. But my, my uh, um, 
what I'll say in, in defense of that is just by being an independent musician for 30 years, you're always interviewed. You're always being asked about it. And in the past, part of my creative process involved experimenting with a lack of accountability that went totally south. It sucked. So after that, I was like, okay, I have to know what my motivations are. I have to understand why I'm doing these things just because I know I'm going to be asked about it. And it's funny because uh, you, there's a certain generation of musicians, like the one before me and then prior to that, of course, that were able to say, well, we don't do interviews. It's just, you know, we don't do interviews. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you know, now, uh, not only is it part and parcel, but the people that allow me to function in the ways that I do, which I'm so grateful for, are also in many ways exactly in the same boat as you and I, right? So it is meta, I guess. It's just this big, weird fucking thing. No, I, um, I, it, it makes sense to me in a couple of ways. One, there's, there's the humorous. I, I spent some years at Microsoft, and there was a, there was one instance where of recursion where. I had a meeting about a meeting about a meeting about a meeting. <laughs> awesome. Uh, and when I realized this, uh, it was like the Dilbert moment from from hell. Um, but I, I'm on, I guess, the other side of it, there's, um, you know, there's a thoughtfulness in, in even if it's retroactive and looking back at, at what you've done. And I think you're very good at that. Um, um, and actually, you've the, the past few records that you've done you've done these documentary series and they're fascinating to me because um, it's not like there's this complete thing, you know, exactly what it is. Um, you, you kind of allow us to participate. And this was my other point. I, there's a, a, a horror author I, I went to one time and, and he, he shared this idea with me. I'd never heard of. He said that in some ways the reader is a co-creator. Mm -hmm. And I, I like this idea that, and how you've, you've allowed people to come along with you on these journeys, even still with, with the puzzle. Um, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but, um, but on the other hand, I can also see that it must get sort of really um, monotonous to have to answer questions about process. <laughs> no, it doesn't get monotonous at all. Okay. It seems, um, it seems interesting to me that a process that fundamentally excludes analysis and more is about the journey of it mm. like i'm chasing uh i'm chasing a specter of emotional inspiration and the enjoyment and the and the joy and the and the discovery that comes from that is consciously trying to avoid analysis but then once it's done you have to retroactively find yourself analyzing it for the sake of a number of things, for the sake of the obligation to the people who support it in the audience, for the sake of wanting to not be misinterpreted in ways that you are uh, uh, absolutely not meaning to come across. You know, all these things, it's, it's, it's the two sides of it. And they're, they're, they're co-creators of this, of this whole process. And, and, I enjoy it. It's, it's art. Right. And it's, it's interesting where, um, when I was younger, I, I was, I was hung up on my own trip in ways that were unhealthy because I kept trying to figure out why it was, you know, like, why is this happening? Why do you do this? Why do you make things the way you do? Why do you follow these, these compulsions? But then I, I, I turned a corner a couple of years back and I was like, well, it's because you're an artist, you know, your, your obligations are to be as present as you can for what comes into your life so that you can translate that in ways that what I've learned as a, a human being or an emotional entity, if I do it correctly, the goal is that other people can say, oh, I relate to that. You know, like that makes sense to me. And, and not because I think there's a certain faction of people that can only relate, but I just think human beings in general have only a handful of things that, that we participate in emotionally. There's subtlety within each one of these things, but you know, we got anger and joy and lust and jealousy and, you know, fear and, and whatever. It's, it's not a, a huge swath of topics that you're going to 
you know, ostracize a whole portion of the population. It's like, here's a song about fear. And if you do it in a way that includes your biases and your upbringing and your middle-class white male or whatever, there's a good chance that other people that are like you are going to be, Oh yeah. Okay. I get it. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, um, I, I hold that same view and I, I recognize that it's not always popular in today's climate, but I think that, that, um, and that's why I think, especially some of the most recent music you've done, uh, I, I, for me, is so powerful is because you you do um, write music that touches these these emotions, and I think they're human emotions. I don't think that they're circumscribed to tribes of people. Um, nope. So, yeah, yeah, and it's interesting too because, like, uh, I've always been uncomfortable when people say you wrote a good song as opposed to you did good work on that song because mm -hmm. I feel that, you know, I, I've always, yeah, so here we are making this record. Now we've got this really, you know, well-rounded, well-seasoned group of producers, engineers, people have done a lot of things. And I find myself more comfortable with the technical side of it than the focal point of it. So when we're, recording i'm uncomfortable with like sitting in the middle and people thinking oh that's that's devon and that's his song but i feel really comfortable and i really enjoy the process if we're all sitting there going okay here's this song what does it need what's wrong about it what's right about it how do we refine this and i think you know perhaps in the past I've been in situations, whether or not it's myself when I was younger or other people who I've been around where if someone says, hey, I think that chorus is too long or I think that guitar sounds out of tune or, or, or what have you. The reason for it not being an acceptable critique has got nothing to do with whether or not they're right. It's just because it's that guy who played it or it's yeah. that guy who wrote it. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I think that drum fill plays no function in the intent of that part. You know, maybe the drummer's like, well, I don't know, man. And it's like, no, the reason that you like that is because you put these stupid ice bells in it or whatever. It's got nothing to do with whether or not it it needs it. Yeah. And I think that my comfort in terms of the creative process comes as being part of a part of the whole thing, part of the process, part of the the song, part of the team, part of the music. And I'm comfortable with that. I'm comfortable with being part of the music, but when it becomes like, oh, that's your music and that's your song and that's your album, it feels like silly. Do the do your does your team though? Is there still come points where there have to be decisions made and that those do become different points for you? Yeah, but I mean, if we're all adults and we're all professional, then the best idea comes out on top. Yeah, there's no. And unless someone's being a dick about it, which as an adult, you're, it's pretty easy to tell. It's like, yeah. hey, whatever you're saying right there, that's out of line, you know? Yeah. But if that's taken out of the equation, then at the end of it, it's like, well, I had a point of view, but we went through it and you're right. Next. So is a, would it be fair to say that part of your growth as an artist has um, being able to sort of not that you ever did this because you didn't say it this way, but to sort of not lead with ego in, in the creation process. Well, I think that, I think that as a human, I'm, I, you know, I can pretend that I'm not leading with ego, but you know, my, I, I love the idea of the universe and I love the idea of, of spirituality and the awe of it and all this, but I'm not, you know, I'm not enlightened. I'm not like religious. I, none of these things. So one thing that always bothers me is, is the amount of love that I have for some of these beautiful things of spiritual significance in my life or other people's life. And then when you get human beings talking about it, a lot of times it seems, you know, people who are fundamentally driven by ego, which I clearly am, who pretend you're not. It's like, no, I don't lead with the ego, man. It's like, of course you do. Of course you do. You're just, yeah. you just, you're too, you're too hung up in it to realize that you are, right? 
And as much as a lofty goal for me would be to be without ego, I'm just not there. You know, it's just, it's. So if I said it, it, not to get too metaphysical in this conversation, but if I said it this way, maybe part of any artist's growth can be not that they don't lead with ego, but that they're able to um, not let that be what trumps in, in their creative process. Perhaps I would also maybe take it uh, in another lane as well and say, if you find a part of a process that is efficient enough, you can circumnavigate what is typically seen as ego, regardless of whether or not it exists, just because your love of the process requires you to, to make hard decisions that maybe your ego wouldn't like. Right. But I don't think it's, I think it's like a topical thing. I think it's like a transient. You, you, it's like, you're able to say for a moment, okay, so for 10 minutes, I'm going to pretend my ego doesn't exist. And then I'll go back to being pissed off or whatever. And then in 10 minutes you can say, okay, clearly this doesn't make sense. Clearly this does, this needs to change. That's not finished dinner. Yeah. Right. And then yeah. after that, you're able to be like, ah, you know, and all, all mouthy and lippy and, and human about it. But I think that it's, it's, it's a technique, a creative technique. And it's not a lack of ego as much as like a temporary suppression of it for the sake of something that is more important than your trip. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. I, I've, I had that same thing happen in my creative life early on. I was, um, any any criticism or any any feedback on a piece of art, whether it was a song or I write fiction, um, I took as a personal attack. Like, oh, you're not good, um, and so I got defensive. Later, it um, seemed like I I kind of grew to the point where I wanted the best performance um, that I could do, and if people had opinions about that that helped me get a better performance, I began to want that more. I mean, it's not that criticism can't still be like, oh, you know, I'm still human, but um, you know, you, you've done a good job um, in one of the recent uh, sort of docu-series you did, I think, of articulating this or at least showing it because you bring all of these, these really, really um, expert musicians and engineers together. I forget the name of the town in Wales where you recorded, um, but you, you, there was this sort of, there was just this sort of um, beautiful collaboration that you could see uh, as you guys were, at, were putting that together. And it seems like what we're talking about, it was in evidence in that, in that recording. Yeah, I, I, thank you. Thank you. I also feel that um, without that step, there's no growth. I mean, as much as it may seem like a huge hurdle to younger me, where maybe my self-worth separate from what I did, it was almost like I put my value in the identity of something that I was proficient at because I felt like maybe on some level I had no worth other than that. Like as a person, you're fundamentally unlovable or you have some sort of, um, you know, a void that you're trying to fill that if you become proficient at something, you play guitar to the point where you're the fastest sweet picker or you're the best video editor or whatever it is, right? Like it's very easy to say, that's my identity and anytime it gets challenged anytime um it becomes uh brought into question it becomes like an ideological thing right it's like okay because i don't feel care for myself this is just speaking for me of course uh if anybody says i don't agree with you whatever your point is whatever it is i like pineapple i like pineapple on pizza and uh if someone says, I don't agree with you, if, if you've got no real sense of self-worth other than your identity, you're going to be like, I will go to the ends of the earth to prove to you how wrong you are about yeah. pineapple on pizza, you motherfucker. You know what I mean? And it's like, yeah. and I feel that a lot of things tends to help with that. Having kids helps with that because all of a sudden you're just, you know, you're number nine on the priority list in the house, right? Yeah. Somewhere after the good cups, right? So yeah. I think, that helps. And at that point, 
as opposed to when I was younger, where my connection to music was was a fundamental thing that in absence of, say, I'd lost my ability to sing or play or whatever, I would cease to exist as an entity. Now it's it's there's a real sense, a perpetual sense of, oh, I get to do this. Oh, that's great. And the creation is rooted in gratitude rather than like don't tell me anything about what I'm doing is incorrect and working with producers and working with musicians and, and artists who are better than me on a technical level or in any sense is the, is, is one of the, the best experiences that I've ever had because then the music just keeps getting better. It's like strange. It's like, I never thought that would be the case that having your, your opinions challenged and your opinions of everything just brought into question as to whether or not it's important, whether or not there's any significance whatsoever. I thought that that would mean that I would just be like, oh, don't question it. It's my whole thing. But when I do, I'm just like, oh, you're right. That does suck. What can we do to make it better? And by yeah. the end, like, oh, it's way better. It's way better. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad you brought up. I was going to ask you, I know you're, uh, at least if your Wikipedia page is, is accurate, you're a dad. Um, I was going to ask you if it had any sort of um, impact on your music. Oh, yeah. um, of course. Uh, yeah, I do. I've got two. And I, it, it seems like a really sort of remedial question, but, um, and, and maybe it's a leading question, but I just, I've, I've not, I don't think spoken with uh, an artist who hasn't had this, this watershed moment once they have a kid of having to sort of um, not, I don't know the right way to say it, but you, you, you definitely, to your point, you're not the, the priority. And there's something that's really um, opened you up when that happens. Uh, and I hadn't anticipated that at all as a dad until it happened. Yeah. And what's also hilarious about it is how profound it is, yet how common it is. You know, it's like, I think that um, one of the things that has been uh, funny for me about my career, when I look back on it, is the levels of intensity that I ascribe to things that are super common. It's almost like anytime I wrote it, I felt like, oh, wait till society hears about eating cake or something. You know, like I'm the only person this has ever happened to. I'm like, oh, it's so great. Here's the cake opera, you know, and it's like moist and it's like this. I don't really like chocolate, but there's fruit and I like fruit. And you make this big towering sort of personal monument to cake as as an you know child having kids you know death getting late whatever it is falling in love breaking your heart whatever it is it's like and then uh i think the thing that happened for me with kids and you know people in my life passing away and things like this is how much i realized i'm just like oh wow this is this happens to everybody yeah i mean whether or not it's kids i mean we're all gonna die we were all born i mean it's like so making these massive artistic statements about the profundity of it has to be uh, uh, hand in hand with a certain degree of humor. Like it has to be. Yeah. Or else it's, it's like, you know, anytime I hear something that has that level of intensity put to it without humor, um, I tend to think like, it seems like there's a sense of importance to that, that, that is, exhausting right there's a let me bring up an example that um that i what you're describing from your music if i can so um it's been on a more recent uh record on empath i want to ask you more about empath but there's a, a track called spirits will collide and the you, you you know you've you've done a fair amount of, of discussion about the genesis of of that record and I, I i still want to talk about it a little bit but You've encapsulated some of it as, as you know, um, uh, being able to sort of, how did you put it? Um, uh, I had this down, but but basically be able to, to we're going to get through this, you know, um, uh, a certain strength in that. And in this song, um, I'm not, I'm not embarrassed to admit, I actually got choked up listening to this track because it was, it felt like such an anthem of, um, of strength, you know, in the face of, you know, challenge. Um, I mean, I, I felt that 
when I was listening to it. And yet in the context of all of this, you've got uh, an ape playing a guitar. There's some visual stuff that sort of tempers this, like this um, music that is, you know, and, and then there's a beautiful breakdown section with a choir and it's all speaking these lyrically, it's speaking to um, we're strong enough. And I mean, it's a, and it, it, to your point before, it's a simple thing and we all go through tons of, tons of shit in life. Um, but being reminded that you, you know, you, you're, you're strong enough and that we can do it together. Simple as that is, it's a very powerful sentiment. And it actually got me choked up. And then the ne next moment I was laughing because of how you helped depict it. Um, um, I feel like that's a bit of a, a uh, emblematic of what you were just describing. Well, I, I, I get choked up by it too, because I'm a participant in it. You know what I mean? It's like going back to what we were talking about prior. I think it's even why the video has this, you know, this me as a focal point in front of all these people. It's there's there's something ironic about that visual in combination with how I feel about the creative process where you're you're simply a part of it, right? Mm. And I was saying to Garth, who's producing this record I'm working on now, I'm like, man, it'd be great if I didn't have to be the face of this. Like, if I could just be a part of the team and just do this stuff. And he goes, yeah, but you do. You are. Like, that's how this works, right? And so I think a lot of the reason why that video exists in the form that it does is, is, is maybe there's a subconscious need to, to bring some of these things to light for myself so I can then look at it and say, okay, well, this is, you know, there's the absurdity of it and there's the ego of it and there's the reality of it and all these things. Um, but I think that the the genesis of this music is is it simply comes from the fact that i had buddies that killed themselves and it's fucking heavy yeah so you write a song about it and that's it it's not you know uh, it, there's no rem u2 we are the world type of thing behind it it's the the ability that i have to articulate my emotional impulses is a direct result of my influences. You know, I like Metallica and Enya and Def Leppard and King's X and Jane's Addiction and ambient music and Stravinsky. And you know what I mean? It's like, so when you put all those things together and then you filter again, these kind of like my buddy killed himself and it's super heavy through that, like that's the result for me. And I think that, yeah. I think that that's um, in the past. I was, I would flirt with the delicious fear of doing this, as in I'd be like, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too heavy. It's too this. Too this. But then you think to yourself, the impulses that that compel you to do this are bigger than I. And if the creation of them is based in gratitude for being here and a human being and participating in the joy and the pain and the death and the life and all this sort of stuff, then it's a slap in the face to that, to not, not only to not do it, but to not do it to the fullest of your extent, like to the fullest of your extent. And so this is why when people say, well, what would you do if someone gave you the budget of like, you know, Dua Lipa or, or Katy Perry or something. I was like, man, I'd be a menace <laughs> if I'd be a menace. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because the, the inclinations to do this type of music are so strong within me and it seems so intense and awesome and beautiful and powerful and all these things that I'm thinking, oh man, let me add it. It would be, it'd be a menace. You know I mean? It's yeah. like, you have elephants everywhere and like orchestras. It could be a gong show, man, right? But I think that, uh, but life is short and this is what I do and I'll do it. And then one day I'm dead and then there you go, right? Let me make one, um, let me make one comment on what you said and then let's talk about the current thing you're doing with the, the time we have left. You, um, you make a really fair point that the genesis of some of this music comes from personal things and, um, and varied. Sometimes it's happy. Sometimes it's tragic. A friend who, who commits suicide. 
Um, but but married with our, the other point that you're also talking about emotions that are common to humans, uh, I may or may not have the context for that particular song, but when then I hear uh, spiritual collide, uh, I react to the emotion of it in a way, and I bring, uh, you know, I bring forward my baggage, um, and the my reaction. This is the co-creator comment that I, I kind of picked up from Mr. Barker. I feel like it, it the music's valuable and um, beautiful for the the reason you create it. Um, but then when you release it, you and you touch on these emotions, I I think it it gathers steam. I think, and I think, I think your fans that are listening to it are, um, they, of course, they love you and they're going to want to get all the context. But I think they're, a lot of the emotional reaction is them kind of, um, because you're touching on some of these common human emotions. And it's not always so tragic. Sometimes I've seen some of the concerts online and people are just smiling and having such a good time. Um, it's, it depends on your intention. That's all that comes into my mind as you yeah. say. You know, because it's like my intention is not to hurt. My intention is to help in some way. Yeah. Because why else? What else? What the fuck else would we do? Why would we? You know, it's like if you can make a living and do your thing, then you want to do something that's like doesn't add to the cesspool while you're here. So that's the intention: is to is to not be the focus of it. I don't. I, I, you know, if if it helps to be able to invest the amount of energy into this music that it takes in order to reach these heights that makes me personally react in a way that's very visceral. I wanna make sure that my reasons for doing that are based in something that I think can be helpful as opposed to harmful. And even now when it comes to something like the puzzle, which is uh, admittedly a very chaotic and dark project the second half of it after i went through and i i created puzzle with these people and and the organizations and all this sort of thing by the end while i was sitting with it i was like this seems exactly like what i felt during 2020 it's fucked it's chaos it's messy it's it's ugly it's it's unsettling it's all these things but then it really became clear that it gives you another opportunity if this is what came out of you if the compulsion to make something accurate resulted in something that makes you feel that kind of unease, it doesn't end there. It's not like you're a slave to your compulsion. And so at that point, it became almost underlying the whole process of making puzzle was how do you end this in a way that implies that it's not all for naught? How do you end this in a way that you can say is chaos? and it was very difficult and we lost people and I don't know what to do and I'm confused and so are my parents and my friends and the industry and all this. Well, then what do you, what do, you do about it? Like offer some, some, not a solution because I think that's presumptuous, but offer some sort of musical component to that, that in a very basic level, you can offer to people to say, Yes, it was like this. Here's this, right? Remember that? Well, here's something that will make you feel better too. Yeah. And then it becomes an analysis of something that is is not tone deaf. It's not like, hey, we just went through a pandemic. And so here's a song about, you know, if I was to release Spiritual Collide at that point, it would have been disingenuous because I wasn't qualified to be in that role. I was busy trying to take care of my own shit and try and figure things out. So what came out of me was that. How do I figure this out? How do I take care of my shit? How do I find some sort of solution for it? For me, not in some sort of benevolent, you know, like, like, well, this is what, you know, it's got nothing to do with that. It's really, it's like, this is how I feel. I don't want to keep feeling like this. So I'm going to make this. Now I feel better. Move it aside. What's next? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I think that, I think the consequence though, is that because, and this is my my belief because there's a we share enough in common that as you work through stuff and you do that with your art and then you share it um it it, it other people are able to work through stuff um with that as a, a helpmate you know they listen to the song and it's cathartic or it's it's escapist or whatever it is 
And so it served its purpose for you dually, like I think emotionally, but also as, you know, a guy who's got a mortgage probably, <laughs> but, you, but, but it, it, um, it has a, it has a role for, for your audience, um, which I think is, I think it's part of the, it's success. Um, and that's how I feel like I can help. The biggest thing that I need to make as clear as possible is it's not me. It's like, yeah. it's the universe, man. It's like, it's like, it's awesome. It's awesome. So my role in it is to try and do what I can to, with my uh, capabilities to, to not add to the cesspool. But I think it's, it's a fine line between doing it and then being the focal point of it and people attributing the emotional um, response that they have to this music as being, well, it's about you, it's about Devin or it's about Peter, you know I mean? It's it, it, because to me, as an artist, you're, if you're doing a good job, you're able to articulate something that's, that's more than you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, uh, <clears throat> I, I think that, I think that, um, you know, in fear of getting too metaphysical or existential about it, because again, I'm not qualified for that either. You know, I'm not, I mean, I think the universe and nature and mathematics and physics, I think it's fucking awesome. I think it's incredible, but I don't understand it. You know what I mean? I don't understand anything about it. So my, my, my goal is to just say, this is what I think of it. It's awesome. This is my way of saying this is awesome, but it's, it's, uh, it's very important to me that my intention remains as I'm trying to do this because I hope it helps, not hinders. And it's not about me. It's about something that is, you know, it's just a human thing, right? Like, and so you're, you're, you're really, you've got a dual release coming. I think it was on the 8th of October. Is that accurate? I think so. Correct. Yeah. Um, and that's puzzle and snuggles and snuggles is more, <laughs> your, uh, a more an ambient record. Yeah. Well, that was the thing that I wrote in order to make myself feel better. Right. Because by the time puzzles over, I <laughs> I'm pretty much assured that most people that hear it will be just like, dude, what the fuck, right? <laughs> and not because, not in a like Meshuga dude, what the fuck kind of way, or Gazir, what the fuck kind of way, where you're just like, wow, it's so heavy. And it, you, I think it's more just like, it's a mess. <laughs> it's, it's a completely meticulously organized, articulated gong show. Because that's what that year was like. Yeah. Put it any other way. It's, it, when I listen to that, I think, and people are like, well, you know, there's not a lot of songs in that. There's no songs on it. They're like, well, it seems really confusing. I'm like, man, it seems completely confusing, but that's what it was. And so I made the film about it and the books about it and all this stuff. And then Snuggles was made because it, it threw me like the whole year just kind of swept the legs out from under me as it did for many of us. And so by the time I got through trying to make some degree of analysis of the situation, which was puzzle i was like okay now that you've seen that for yourself what do you do about it what do you do about it you just leave it like that or do you do something about it and so snuggles is what i did about it and then i was able to move on and now i'm working on something else that is doesn't have that hang up that had i not purged that would have been dragged into this yeah i saw i is that um tentatively tiled light work yeah i saw i saw a mention of that well, I'm, I'm, you know, what I've seen of your docu series on that I think is still in progress for the puzzle. I think you've done two. Yeah, um, it's really good. I, I think you do a really good job of describing this this landscape of, of music, but how you've invited these musicians to help you use some really great metaphors there, putting a dark edge on a, a pencil sketch, um, yeah. uh, harken back to the song "Voices in the Fan." I mean, I think these are, yeah interesting ways of thinking about finding some and and I, I was really excited when I saw uh, you talk about some of the artwork and being able to zoom in and find things and be able to create sort of actual landscapes inside them I think it's a really fascinating idea awesome man it was so cool dude and I gotta say what's inevitably going to happen is people will hear puzzle like maybe uh, some of the um, momentum that I've built career-wise over the last couple of years of touring and empath or transcendence or whatever 
people are like, oh, I've heard of this, this schmuck here. We'll listen to his new record. And they put on Puzzle and they'll be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> but the uh, Puzzle's not meant to be a record. It's it's an art project. And I as I, there's no way for me to say that without sounding pretentious, but that's what it is. Maybe it's just pretentious. Yeah. But the reason why I'm doing light work now is light work is, I mean, okay. I've always loved Def Leppard production. I've always loved Ace of Bass or, or ABBA or, or, you know, like pop music. I love it. And it's not pop music, it's still what I do, but I've always wanted to make a record that's like really accessible too. And so that's what I did. And so light work, dude, it's awesome. This, I mean, the weirdness of puzzle is as far on that side of the spectrum as the accessibility of, of light work is. And, and they exist in reaction to each other. And, and then after light work's done, I think what will probably happen is the label or a lot of the people who are involved in my world will be like, oh, you should do light work. You should do that side of sort of style. Just keep doing that. But the thing I'm doing after this is a musical, right? Which is like a, a totally different thing. Yeah. And I can't wait to start that either. But each one informs the one after almost based more on fatigue it's like after puzzle is done it's like oh god i can't want to do that anymore <laughs> like what's the opposite of that oh big choruses slick production clean you know what i mean like linear emotionally intense but but like not exhausting music and i was like oh it's great but now that that one's deep in the process i'm by the time this is done the effort that goes into making any record regardless of its style is such that by the time you're done you're like okay enough of that shit so what's next? Yeah. So the next thing for me is going to be some crazy musical, right? And then after that, who knows, right? Just is it? Together. I know it sounds like it's really early, but are we talking about a, a traditional stage musical or um, yeah, that kind of thing? Yeah, that's really exciting, man. I saw that. I saw in some notes that you're among the other influences, or at least uh, likes you have, is you love Broadway. Well, I did. Did okay. Now when I see them. It just makes my anus shrivel up. You know what I mean? It's like that whole, like, the super precious, you know, overly dramatic. I mean, I, I don't like it, right? But when I was a kid, I liked it for the fact that it, and I've said this before, and I'll say it again, it's like a broad stroke of emotion. As a kid trying to figure out how music functions, Broadway musicals were great because it was very clear that that's what sad sounds like because you can see they're crying. Yeah. That's what happy sounds like because there's a bunch of people with, you know, googly eyes dancing on cars. You know I mean? It's like, so it was great for me as a kid in terms of learning. And I love the idea of turning a narrative into music. So that's what I've extrapolated from that. But in terms of it being a typical kind of like, Broadway musical with all that we're going to the store we're going to I mean I dude it's like not that <laughs> I like it all man right so well, when I was a kid it worked for me but now I've got an idea for a sort of musical but it's not going to be like that right okay it'll be a Devon musical oh, yeah. um will you stage it as such yeah so I've been going <laughs> I went to I went to Sony in London and asked them for 10 million pounds to do it and they said no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's too bad. You know, it's, it's still a ways away. We'll see what happens. Yeah. But I think it's like uh again, as I said earlier, if I get the funding for these things, I'm going to be menaced, dude. So I think maybe what has helped me create things of some significance up to this point is that i've been i don't have the budget so it, it it all kind of turns into like a high school musical right but uh just keep moving forward and eventually someone will be dumb enough to let me do it right <laughs> well i you're yeah they will i um someone will someone will fund that some version of it and i i hope they i hope they do man i i would love to see me too. Uh, you have parameters though like i have to be left alone there's the, there's the thing I need ten million dollars to make a Dick Symphony, and you can't talk to me. <laughs> I just think it'd be good. I, 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 I do think that one of the things that, um, and you've said as much, but you, you become a, uh, you know, a team builder. Um, so I can see you 
uh, flourishing and building out something that would have an ensemble type of feel. I'd love to see that staged. Thank you. And I love being part of a team, man. I think it's awesome. Right. I, uh, it's just, it's, it's, if that's where it's meant to go, it will. And I just keep following the path of least resistance in terms of my creative inclinations and then trying to articulate them as accurately as I can. And then spend three months after trying to explain them to people who are confused yeah. by it and then uh, move on to the next one. Right. So puzzle is going to confuse the hell out of people, but as a, as a metaphor, I think it's amazing. Light work is going to piss off a bunch of people because it's going to be too commercial. And then moth is going to confuse everybody. So, you know, Oh, is Moth the, the tentative name on the musical? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That's a cool teaser. Yeah. Well, you know, the, it goes to this idea I have. It's not mine alone, but I, um, I kind of lo have lost patience maybe in my mid middle ages for, for fans who are really only fans of artists for the one record or one style. I, um, that's just, at least it's not the kind of fan I am. I'm, you, you know, it doesn't mean I like every single track an artist does. But I usually just kind of fall in love with um, their art and the things they do. And and I don't know that all your fans are like that, but I think there's a fair number of them that are happy to come along with you on the new the new endeavors you take. Well, I'm going to I'm going to end our interview because I got to get back to it. But I'll end it with this, because I said this to the producer the other day um, when I was, you know, all of a sudden he's deep in my world and and he's got to participate with all this weirdness that I bring to the table. I just said. Thank you. I'm sorry. That's basically what I say to the audience too, right? So, yeah, brother, it's been a real pleasure, and thank you so much for inviting me onto your show. And I, uh, I hope uh, I uh, wish you all the success in the world. And uh, I wish I could stay a little bit longer, but I'm afraid I really do have to go. Right? No, I would rather you go make music than spend more time talking to me. I'm on it, brother. All right, one, all right. More, one more guitar to tune, and then I start. I'll see you soon. All right, take care. Cheers, bud. Bye bye.